to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. We hope everybody is doing well. I'm your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the longtime no see Yvonne Brandenburg. Hey. <laughs> like, we literally haven't talked since ACBIM. <laughs> I know. Oh, girl, this month. Holy crap. It's been a month. It's For you and me both, you probably more so, but like, I've just been like, <laughs> uh, sorry guys that it's been a few weeks since we actually did a podcast. Um, life got crazy. Yeah. We took an impromptu hiatus for sure. Yeah. That was not, st- <laughs> was not planned at all. Um, let's see. So we went to ACYM, which yeah. that was a whirlwind. Yeah. And then we came back, I think, did you, did you even work before you went wherever you needed to go? Yeah. So we came, so I came back on Saturday. I worked Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, drove to Ohio on Wednesday, stayed up in Ohio until Saturday, drove back home. Then I worked Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then like Wednesday, Thursday, I took off and then flew back up to Ohio on Saturday, grabbed the kids and flew back home Saturday. (laughs) Like It was just, oh my god yeah wow okay i was in ohio for all of two hours last saturday i was like this is- oh my god <laughs> oh that's so crazy yeah so i came back on sunday went to work monday mm-hmm. worked that week and then the following so like a week after acvam i um started with a fever and i was like oh my god it's covid so I tested myself and I was negative. Um, and then I was like, oh, maybe it's food poisoning. Cause I was a little nauseous and then 4th of July. So it's been almost two weeks now. Um, I had a raging fever, raging fever. And my leg decided to, I don't know, take on a light, like mind of its own, um, got some bizarre infection, So I started on antibiotics, um, did a course of antibiotics that for a week that kept it at bay, but definitely did not make it better. Yeah. Um, and then I went back in Monday, I went through urgent care because I was like, dude, this is not better. Um, and then they like got the infectious disease doctor on the phone and they're like, did you go swimming when you were in Texas and anything? And I was like, nope. And they're like, well, what did you do? And I was like, I literally was at my Airbnb, went to the conference, went to dinners and then back to the Airbnb. I was like, I never did anything crazy. So they don't, they, I have no idea how I got this infection. Um, but they started me on Clavamox basically. (laughs) So augmented. Um, and it like within the first dose I, I started to feel better. Um, and then it's, I mean, it's been, a, it, it's been almost a week on the, um, Clavamox and I, I'm just going to keep calling it Clavamox. Cause that's 
what I want to call it. Um, and it's better. It's way better. Um, but it's still, still pretty, pretty messed up. Like, actually I was telling Jordan, this is the first time I've been in the she shack in two weeks. Cause I've literally spent the last two weeks either in bed or on my couch with my leg up because it hurt to walk and move and do anything. So, but you know, I got an ultrasound. I don't have a clot, so that's cool. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, look at that. It was kind of cool watching like the color flow and like, I saw a giant lymph node and I was like, yeah, that, I didn't realize that hurt until you pushed on it. And it was a huge lymph node and it was, oh God, like, I can't wait for this to be done. Like Jesus. It's like ridiculous. And they're like, if it doesn't get better, then you might have to go to dermatology. And I'm like, why dermatology? It's like human medicine is very weird. So if it doesn't get better, they want me to go to dermatology and get a biopsy. Nobody's cultured it yet. Like, like I, veterinary medicine is so different. different. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, I would have cultured it by now. And (laughs) So, yeah, so this has been super, super fun. Um, so we'll see, hopefully I don't die during this recording because this is the longest I'll probably be sitting in a normal chair. <laughs> so I apologize if I move around a little bit and cause more noise than normal, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been a hectic, been a hectic couple of weeks. Yeah. I haven't been sick. I've just been traveling a lot. And then Bailey's birthday was this week and like, mm. Now Connor's birthday's coming up, so I got to figure out his stuff, which like he's hard to buy for. Like it's like mm. it's video games, but I don't want to buy him a bunch of stuff for video games because yeah. like I don't want him being on video games all the time. And yeah. that's hard. Uh, he told me today that his third favorite animal is a shark, so I can buy him some shark stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, well, what's your, no joke. So like his first favorite animal is a kangaroo. I don't know what happened to the second favorite animal, but his third favorite's a shark. Right. So earlier today I was like, what's your second favorite animal? Like maybe we can do, you know, I can get you some kangaroo stuff, get you some shark stuff and we'll figure out what the second one is. He's like a pug. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> kangaroo, pug, and sharks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god I'm dying why why a pug I have no idea I was like did you say a pug he's like yeah like the dog and I was like I'm just like dumbfounded because like I don't know what to do about that <laughs> like, I don't... it's like the complete opposite of any of the dogs that you have oh my god a pug that is so funny it's so ridiculous like it's so ridiculous and like Bailey has this weird obsession with corgis too and like I get it corgis are cute well and corgis on social media are like a whole thing yeah for sure and I guess maybe pugs too like pugs are the I don't know the comedians of like social media you know yes but Connor doesn't do social media like Bailey does social media so men in black I haven't seen that in a hot minute it's okay. very 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 random like I don't, I don't that is very strange does he have a friend with a pug no no <laughs> all right I'm I'm out of ideas for this I I'm telling you it it makes no sense uh-huh. 
Because I don't even remember the last time like we watched a video with a pug in it or like saw right. a pug mm. or like saw a picture of a pug. Like I, so I'm just at a loss for what to get for his birthday, obviously. Like, huh. <sighs> Interesting. Hmm. And then we have to do school shopping and stuff too. because School starts in like two weeks. So crazy to me, like early August, early August. It's, it's my book. Connor was like, what the heck? Like I never go to school on my birthday. And I was like, dude, tell me about it. Like, I know. Like, <laughs> right? And he's like, well, can we skip school on my birthday? Cause his birthday's on a Monday. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I don't care. So I got to do school shopping. I don't know. It's just been, it's been hectic with all my traveling and yeah but I got to meet all my brother's chickens which is funny because like no joke he's got eight chickens and four of them are roosters and I was like what did you do like what did you do like I told you what to get <laughs> like huh and so he's like yeah they're starting to fight and stuff I was like yeah no joke you have four roosters he's like that well, horrible. Have? I was like two no thanks I don't need roosters they're they're jerks usually. <laughs> they really are. No buts gave me another big bruise on my shin yesterday. And I was like, you son of a. Mm. <laughs> so funny. Uh, oh, speaking of animals, holy crap, the kittens. The kittens are freaking adorable. My God, I love them. I can't wait for them to like let me snuggle them. That is my goal. They're getting close. They're getting close. Yeah. 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 They're. They're so freaking cute though. And then, um, yeah, the other thing this week that was kind of crazy is, um, we did end up euthanizing my old man, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's hard cause dude, we've had him for 19 and a half years. Like it's almost yeah, as he- long as we've been married. So yeah. Um, just a little part of your life <laughs> just a little like he was our first kid um yeah it was funny because Kevin my husband he um had to take care of the <laughs> animals while we were gone for ACBAM and he was like oh my god I'm so glad you're back it was like it wasn't even that bad like yeah <laughs> so he was very appreciative of, all of a sudden of what I did for all the animals yeah um, and I was like yeah uh-huh this is my daily life Thank you. I don't so. know the like. I mean, Matt took care of the animals while I was gone, obviously, but like, he's continuing to do so. Like this morning, work before I did, and like I have a routine. Like every morning, because I get up so early, right? Six thirty every day, I go and feed the goats and let the chickens out and stuff like that. And um, he was doing it when I got back, and I was like, "But I'm up, and like, I, I." I can go do it. He's like, no, I got it. Like I got to go. He's, he does it as he's leaving for work. So this morning too, he came in to say goodbye to me. And he's like, I fed the goats and left the chickens out and stuff. And I was like, why are you taking my job? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you've got enough job. So, <laughs> uh, but like, if he takes over that stuff, like he cooks and cleans. And so like, I feel good taking care of the animals. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I get it. That's kind of how Kevin and I are actually. Yeah. So yeah. like, if I, if I keep taking care of the animals then I don't have to cook and clean, <laughs> he's taking oh, you're like, no, <laughs> leave it for me. Right. You're like, no, I don't want to cook and clean. You do it. Just let some chickens out and feed the goats and deal with 
all the random things that come up with animals. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, technically I deal with the kids and stuff too. And I do all the school shopping and the birthday present shopping. Like yeah. I do, all, I do a lot more than what I'm giving myself credit for. It's just like the visual stuff that you can see gets done during the day. Right. <laughs> He's starting to do it all. And so it looks like I'm not doing anything. Aww. Like, no, no. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Complaining <laughs> that my husband is doing too good. <laughs> like it's just yeah, right. Oh my god, everybody's probably like, shut up, Jordan. I know. <laughs> my coworkers give me crap. They're like, how did you find a husband who like allows you to have that many animals? I was like, first off, allows is a bad word. Like, is not the correct word. <laughs> like, deals with it. Like, is probably a better term. But like, I don't know. He just like he's just given up on life. I think he's just given up. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm not going to say no. Cause it goes bad. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's funny. Cause Kevin, <laughs> I've definitely become the crazy cat lady. Um, cause you know, we have our outdoor cats, we have our indoor cats, which are only two now. And then we have our outdoor cats, which technically we have five outdoor cats because there's the three kittens, their mom, who's the sibling to one of my house cats. And then Willie, who's, you know, the ancient old man that (laughs) I just make sure I just make sure he's comfortable and doesn't die. We're good. (laughs) Like you can't see, you got arthritis. I just make sure nothing eats you. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. But yeah. So it's been a month. It's been a month. Yeah. It's been a lot getting back. (sighs) Anyway, this week we are going to talk about. (laughs) What? Disease. <laughs> um, coccidioidy, coccidioidomycosis. Yeah. It's a mouthful. I'm going to call it valley fever because that's what it's also known as. It's so funny because I just usually call it coxy. Yeah. Or coccidio. I think I call it coccidio actually is what we usually call it. Coxidio is fine. It's just when you throw in the extra D in there, it's it throws Coxidio me off. Coxidio idio. Coccidioidomycosis. Yeah. Right? Does that sound sure. right? Sure. <laughs> um, someone who's really smart when it comes to coccidioides imidus, please let us know <laughs> how to say it. You can just yeah. like record yourself, put it on the Facebook page and, and look amazing. I'm feeling pretty rusty on the, the whole <laughs> I am seen here. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk about, uh, like I said, valley fever in dogs and cats. Uh, spoiler alerts doesn't happen in cats very often. So it's going to be mostly a dog conversation. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think I've only seen it maybe once or twice in cats. Yeah, it's not really common. Anyway, um, this disease. Fungal, it's a fungal disease caused by a fungus called coccidioides imidis. Um, it's found in the soil and it's typically found in like southwestern United States, northern Mexico. Um, can also be found in Central and South America and has even been found as far north as Washington state, which is like pretty far north. <laughs> like it's yeah. Not- um well because washington state has this huge desert area too yeah because uh we tend to see it like so valley fever 
sorry, (laughs) in California, (laughs) on the other side of the hills from me, there's this giant valley. We call it the big valley because it stretches from like LA all the way up to, I think even Redding, it may even go further. And it's kind of like at the base of the Sierra foothills. So that's the big valley. Um, And we see upticks in valley fever um, and other fungals especially because it's so freaking dry. And so the dirt is getting disturbed um, and the spores that are sporulating, which is super fun. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a few seconds. You see Valley fever. I don't see yeah. fever, but it's funny. Cause like my boss thought um, this was obviously a couple of years ago, but when I went to Las Vegas to visit my grandma mm. and then I came home and I started getting sick. Um, also I had valley fever um, which I felt like was a stretch because I wasn't showing any respiratory signs like whatsoever (laughs) it doesn't have to be Um, respiratory though no I mean that's the most so yeah it's the most common but he was like demanding that I get tested for this fungus (laughs) when I did you get did you get tested I did get tested. I obviously was negative because oh. I had this instead, but like, it's, it's You're like, that is not what set off my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, it was because of all the weird, like, uh, erythema stuff that I had going on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The eardrum rupturing and like, all that badness. Um, crazy. Yeah. yeah. That sucked. Uh, anyway, So um, this organism, though, it can live several inches within the soil, and it obviously can survive high temperatures because it's found in desert regions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then during the rainy season, what happens is it'll rain, and then the fungus will return to the surface and start to sporulate, as Yvonne said. And um, when when the wind blows, basically, it aerosolizes (laughs) And yeah, so, we'll uh, see it. We'll see it too. Like, um, if people dig in the dirt mm-hmm. and like, especially like a compost pile, like they dig in the dirt, they, they like soak the soil. So all those like fun fungus decide, Ooh, yay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just gets so dry and windy that it's, it's not quite a dust bowl, <laughs> but it can get pretty, pretty nasty. And so it's just like, yeah, it spreads. This is why yeah. we also use the Coxie lab at UC Davis. <laughs> like they have, they have their own lab there. Yeah. Um, as we kind of already alluded to, uh, people that are s- creatures that are susceptible are humans and dogs mm-hmm. mostly. Cats can be affected. So can cows. Um, yeah. Some horses it was found in, but it's not. Mm. Um Again, as I previously alluded to, the primary infection tends to be pulmonary respiratory uh, in origin and, and frequently results in like a, con- a chronic cough, but it yeah. can disseminate. And when it disseminates, it can cause um, disease within like the cutaneous layer, the bones, the cardiac system, ocular system, nervous system, or any other organ disease. So it can spread. Because it's a well. fungus. Yeah. <laughs> it does what it wants. Yeah. Uh, inhaling the fungus, uh, spores was basically the only established method, method of infection. Mm. Uh, and, and again, as we kind of stated, the spores are carried on dust particles, which is why it's so prevalent in the desert and epidemics can 
occur after like rainy periods that are followed by drought. So like it rains. Heavily. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just said that. <laughs> yeah. So it rains heavily or the soil gets moist and those spores come up to the surface and then it dries out like crazy. And then it just blows around like crazy in these, in these wild dust storms that. Dude, they're yeah. crazy. They're crazy to see. Yeah, I bet. I've, I've driven on, I've driven on the freeway with like bad wind and it's just like dust cloud that you're driving through. It's pretty horrible. Yeah. We don't get that. I mean, we get the pollen clouds, but like, <laughs> that's true. You do get the pollen clouds. <laughs> um, dissemination though, in, of this infection tends to only occur in about 20% of dogs. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, like most, like if it's going to disseminate, it mostly affects like the eyes, the joints, or the bones. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen it in the eyes, but we don't do ophthalm. So (laughs) we probably just go, go there, go to the ophthalmologist, go away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anytime the eyes are involved, you're like hard pass. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So most dogs who do develop this fungus or are infected with this fungus tend to be young. Um, and of course, due to the demographic tends to be more active outdoor dogs or dogs who dig in the dirt or spend a lot of time outside following dust storms tend to be at greater risk. So like if we lived in a desert area, all of my puppies would probably be more exposed because they spend a lot of time outside. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we had a couple of dogs, one that was on like prednisone for I can't even remember what it was, but it was just like a short coat course of like immune suppressives for something. And, mm. um, the owner did a compost heap and the dog was like digging in it and going crazy. And like within four to six months came back positive. And we were like, well, you were immune compromised and you dug in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> like that is like the perfect combination of the perfect storm digging in the dirt. Uh, yeah. Well, it's fun. So anyway, uh, Valley fever is typically primarily a respiratory disease and mm-hmm. it can range to just like a self-limiting, almost like a virus. Um, yeah. If their, if their immune system is good enough, they can, yeah, but it can also kick it out. But it can lead to chronic disease too. Uh, Early signs of valley fever. It's in the name. Fever. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Fever, lethargy. We can have a decreased appetite, coughing, of course, and then even some joint pain. So they can show signs of lameness or weakness, um, back and neck pain. In severe cases, though, obviously, if the organism can, like, has the ability to spread throughout the entire body and become systemic, Dogs can develop CNS signs like seizures or blindness, um, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we definitely test for it. Like, especially if we're suspicious of like an IMPA, um, sometimes we'll test for it. We've had, I mean, anytime we, anytime we get like a respiratory and it sucks because you take these x-rays and it does look like just like horrible cancer. Yeah but it tends to be like a younger animal and you're like, but they have a fever and they have this other thing. So it's like, we, we tell them, we're like, we can test for it. It'll take a couple of weeks to get the results back, but it's possible it's fungus. Um, 
so yeah, that's been, that's been weird. And then, you know, neurology, like they'll do a spinal tap just to make sure for other stuff, but I've definitely had, we've had a couple of patients come back positive on the spinal tap, which is really bad. Yeah. And if it goes like, if it infects the skin too, they can develop, these pets can develop like draining ulcerations and, um, but skin infection tends to be rare with this. Yeah. Skin's a tough booger to really crack. (laughs) Yeah. We've had, I've only seen one that had skin lesions. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, this one was bad. Like she had it all in her lungs and everything, but the problem with her was she was immune suppressed from her IMHA. (laughs) So we were like, okay. (laughs) The, the same's not true for cats. So, so cats that are infected with Valley fever often present with, uh, skin signs. So drink Mm. these graining skin lesions, granulum, uh, granulomatous masses, abscesses. They can also have fever and inappetence and weight loss as well. Um, mm. But it's less common in kitties for them to have respiratory signs. Uh, they can have some musculoskeletal signs, neurologic signs or ophthalmic abnormalities. But like I said, that's that's less common than the skin signs in cats. So basically it's the opposite for, for cats. Right. cats like, dogs get these signs. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to get these signs. Yeah. Um, but it, it stinks too, because like with cats, when they do get this infection, about 50% of them have the disease that's disseminated. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if they're more derm stuff versus localized. Yeah. Localized one organ. Yeah. Well, technically the skin is one organ, but like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard too. Cause like you have a cat that has an abscess and fever and weight loss, you know, it's like, that's kind of just a cat thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those, like you have an abscess that just won't heal or recurrent abscesses. Then you might want to that's why I didn't put much for differential diagnosis because literally everything is on the list for differential. <laughs> right? You have cancer, signs, signs, you have neuroscience, right? you have derm signs, you have ocular signs. Like it doesn't, it's literally everything on the list until you like until you run a fungal test. <laughs> right. Oh my God, it's so true. <laughs> oh, that can be a bit frustrating for sure. I say that like I've dealt with this. I haven't. We don't deal with this type of fungus very often well we don't deal with this type of fungus over here unless yeah usually yeah usually the patients that we're running the coxie test is it's like it's like the i am special plus the coxie test (laughs) so leading us into diagnostics so again we do our i am special because we're trying to rule out everything all Mm -hmm. of the organ failures, everything. Uh, so we're running a comprehensive chem, CBC, T4, UA. And then, um, especially if they're showing respiratory signs, we're going to do some x-rays and, uh, x-rays. I'm not going to be the greatest explaining what these x-rays look like again, cause I haven't really seen them, but to me, yeah. it looks like cancer. It looks like yeah. metastatic disease. <laughs> like, it, it definitely does. Cause you've got these like masses yeah. Right? And then you've got enlarged lymph nodes, which you're like, Ooh, it's spread into the lymph nodes, whatever it is. Right. Um, so the problem is, is, is these are those, these are those patients that 
the client just doesn't want to believe it's possibly cancer, right? Because, and I do, we've talked about this before. Like, I wonder how many fungus, not just coxie, but all the, all the fungi, right? I wonder how many fungi patients actually are euthanized just based on x-rays because these x-rays sometimes look horrible and they don't feel great but devil's advocate here. Like it's still not wrong. Like no. treating fungus is obvious. Like we've talked about it the last couple apple uh, apples, <laughs> actual <laughs> episodes that we've talked about and like treating fungus is hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's lengthy and it doesn't always work and disease can, and they feel out. crappy from the antifungals. Like it's a whole, it's a whole you have thing. To monitor kidney values when they're on antifungals and it, it's, yeah. it's a lot. So it's definitely not wrong to euthanize a pet based on radiographic images. Yeah. It's usually x-rays and like how they're doing in general, you know? Yeah. 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 Like if your dog's still barking and playing and eating, <laughs> fine, but has these sketchy looking chest x-rays, then like, like what the? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like Yvonne said, she could probably elaborate a little bit more. There's <laughs> blood testing to check for coxie. Um, so serum can be tested and it's done based off of a AGI, AGID assay. Um, I'm having a really hard time talking today. Apparently I'm like trying it's been a couple of weeks. I'm trying to mesh all my words together. Like <laughs> in a hurry. And so like, I'm just, trying to... just put them all together. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so funny. Cause like, I think I just say agon in my head. Yeah. I don't think I ever really say it out loud, but in my head I say agadase, which sounds horrible it sounds like some well it doesn't sound horrible it just sounds like some japanese like agadashi tofu thing yeah yeah agadase (laughs) like saying a g i d like the a and the g split me up a little bit Mm. well and it's like i think of like agar right yeah so that's like how i go agad anyways anyway y'all are like these people are crazy a little rusty guys like it's you know we're (laughs) trying to get back to the swing of things um these results though can be like specific but they tend to be a little insensitive so like Mm. we might not always get the answer um a lot of times though a presumptive diagnosis can be made when there is a positive serology yeah and we we send off the serology to i think that's what we do is we do the serology to the coxie lab um, and they basically give us like how, like, what's the titer. Yeah. And so we we're constantly monitoring titers on these patients. Um, and the big thing to remember when doing these is you cannot use a serum separator. Um, yeah. You have to use a red top tube with no serum in it. Um, and one of the reasons for that is, um, the, the gel that's in there will actually, um, I think it gives you, I'm pretty sure it's a false negative because it binds with stuff, but anyways, the, the gel affects the results. So if you are going to do fungal testing, um, definitely make sure you're grabbing the right tubes and not (laughs) sending out a serum separator because you may not get the results that you're hoping to get. I wonder how often a lab tech gets like a serum separator too. And it's just like, you know, it's like that one thing that just like pisses you off. (laughs) Right. I am so paranoid because I have definitely sent in the wrong tubes on a patient that I will literally get my lab paperwork 
because most of the times the lab paperwork says exactly what tube yeah. you need, especially like, especially IDEX. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you sure. use That's IDEX, like- I'm thinking Antec probably as well, but it literally, like you print it out and it literally says what tubes are accepted for that test. Um, and so I, I'm always double checking because some of these tests are not repeatable. Yeah. <laughs> so little mini soapbox on them giving <laughs> the, uh, the blood tubes is super helpful as well as the volume that they want. Oh my God. Yes. But, but just, and to handling. Us, just to help out some IM techs a little bit, if they could just give the minimum volume required to perform the test. Oh my God. I wish. Instead of me having to call the lab and ask. (laughs) (laughs) How much is the minimum to get the results? And they're like, oh, you need a half a mil. And you're like, then why do you say six mils? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you say two mils of serum when you need 0.25 for a cortisol test? when I have a two pound Yorkie here and my doctor won't believe me that I don't need it until I call and confirm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's important to, uh, this is the same soapbox, but depending on if you have an anticoagulant, right, make sure you're filling it appropriately. Mm-hmm. So your blood to anticoagulant ratio is appropriate. That's a whole other, anyway, we could do a whole episode on just like appropriate lab handling. <laughs> advocate here in the fact of like, I understand that they ask for more for, you know, human error or it leaks yeah. in the bag or it gets spilled at the lab. Like I understand that. But sometimes but, I can't exsanguinate my patient. Yeah. <laughs> I have a four pound Yorkie that I can't draw 12 mils of blood from. Cause I need to do seven tests. Cause that's what my doctor wants. <laughs> so true. Or sometimes we have those IMHAs where I draw a mill of blood and I'm like, well, here's your half mil of serum. <laughs> You're like, that's all you get. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh. <sighs> anyway, off topic there. Um, and I am soapbox. It's fine. They're, they're probably missing those soapboxes that they haven't heard in the last month. This is true. If anyway, not, I'm sorry. Cultures can do, um, cultures <sighs> do, we can do cultures, uh, as well, but attempts to culture the fungus typically should be restricted to those labs equipped to handle such dangerously infective cultures. Yes. Cause they are, they're not, humans. I was going to say they're not sonotic, but they're, they're infectious to people. And so we just need to make sure that we're handling them appropriately. We're labeling them appropriately. So people don't accidentally. It's like when you do, um, um a Lishmania test mm, or brucellosis. Yeah. You know, just be careful. We should do an episode on just like lab handling and those dangerous samples. <laughs> that could be, that could be like the Halloween episode. Yeah. That's a good idea. Except for let's go forego the rabies testing. Everybody knows how that's done. And I don't, it makes me sad. Mm, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, biopsy technically can definitively diagnose. Yeah. Coxo, um, coxo. If they see. Is biopsy are, done very frequently? Yeah. No. Like it, it's much easier to run a serology and go off of clinical signs to diagnosis or make a presumptive diagnosis than to biopsy something. You can biopsy a lymph node. Um, 
was gonna say skin lesion, lymph nodes. You can do bone biopsy, right? Because if you've ever seen the x-rays of a bone that's infected by fungus, it very much looks like cancer. (laughs) So you can get a bone biopsy just to confirm, you know, is it cancer or is it fungus? Um, we had, we had a Rottweiler, um, that she was young. She, she was under two years old and she came in with severe back pain and we found a lesion on her spine and we biopsied it and it came back as fungus. I can't remember if it was coxie or asper, either one, not great to be in the spine. Um, but we started her on treatment and she did great, but it was just like, oh, geez. I'm surprised okay. they don't call fungus a great pretender because it pretends to be like cancer all the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, Addison's got the bad name and bad rap. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, treatment, like I said earlier, this disease most often is self-limiting. Like the body can't Bites fight it off, it off itself. Um, but if there's chronic respiratory signs or just systemic disease that are present, typically this is treated with long-term antifungals, um, and treatment tends to be about six to 12 months. So very long-term. Um, I've, I would say most of them are going to be longer than that. Yeah. So I was like, I I feel like that's minimally six to 12 months. Well, so obviously like, and it depends on the symptoms, right? So like if the dog is showing more systemic symptoms than versus just respiratory. And and we're going to talk about it in client communication a little bit, but these levels are measured pretty frequently. Um, So it's going to be based off that as well. But treatment is at least six to 12 months. I guess I should have said at least a little bit more like in bold. Yeah. Common antifungals that are used to treat this are going to be fluconazole, ketoconazole, and amphotericin B. Intraconazole is another one we'll use. Yeah. Oh, there it is. I was going to say. That's a fairly common one. Yeah. Um, Ketoconazole and itraconazole tend to be more expensive. um, Mm. And they have higher incidences of adverse reactions. Um, Fluconazole is pretty... I feel like usually like we start with fluconazole and And see how they do. And if, (laughs) yeah. And then if they don't, if they don't respond to it as well as we like, then we'll switch to the other ones. But I feel like fluconazole is like the one we'll start with the most often too. Yeah. Yeah. And amphotericin B tends to be the most effective drug, but it, because it's highly nephrotoxic, it's not a (laughs) go-to. No, no, we, this is like our last like I think of it, you know, in oncology, how it's like the different protocols and the very last ones like mustardin. Yeah. I feel like amphotericin B is like the mustardin of fungus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then of course we can treat these pets symptomatically too. So if cough suppressants are needed, that's fine. If mm-hmm. antibiotics are needed to treat secondary bacterial infections of the skin, um, if pain medications are needed, yep. obviously that can help as well. Yeah. So client communication for this though, uh, because it's affecting dogs mostly and it's affecting their respiratory tract mostly, then we suggest restricting activity until the dog begins to feel a little bit more normal and comfortable. We don't want to put them into respiratory distress. Yeah. Uh, Well, and it's really important too, to remember, um, depending on the load of the fungus, 
as we start treating them, if they get like a big die off of fungus, they can actually feel worse for a little bit as their body's processing, like the toxins that are released and all that disgusting stuff. Yeah. So that's another thing too, to kind of warn owners that depending on how well the drugs work, their dogs may feel bad. Um, so we usually do say kind of keep them calm, especially if you've got any bone involvement, um, definitely kind of keep them restricted so that they don't break anything. Cause if you've got, if you've got a messed up bone, um, but the cool thing is like, you can actually like, especially with bones, um, cause we had one, uh, that was like at the stifle, you can take x-rays and actually see like the bone, like remodeling and like yeah. reforming and not totally normally, but it's crazy to see like it heal itself, which is really cool, especially yeah. if it's a younger animal. So as I said before, repeated measurements of their antibodies against, uh, this fungus are typically measured about every three to four months. Um, until levels are normal, if they ever get normal. Um, And then regular monitoring of kidney and liver values are also recommended just due to the effects of antifungals on these organs. Mm -hmm. And then again, just a disclaimer that prognosis is not our job as technicians, Um, but (laughs) typically valley fever carries a grave to, or a guarded to grave prognosis. Yeah. Um, because relapses are very common. Yeah. Um, and the prognosis is going to be worse with dogs with central nervous system (laughs) or bone involvement and lifelong therapy tends to be required in those situations. Yeah. So again, client communication for the doctor to have with the client, but nice for technicians to be aware of like, yeah. The, the other, the other thing too, to remember when we're talking about the tests, cause we're, ta- we're talking about antibody titers. Um, it typically takes about two weeks for the body to create those antibodies after exposure. So sometimes we have to repeat the test. Um, if like, we're really suspicious that that's what it is. And like, it didn't, we didn't see much in the titers. Sometimes we have to repeat the test. Um, and another thing that sometimes can happen is we get like a number and we go to retest and maybe the number is higher than it was previously. And just remember that's because they've had that exposure. And so the body's creating the antibodies. Um, and then what we want to see is it, you know, the, the levels lowering, um, and so sometimes we'll gradually wean them off of medications based on those titers, Um, and again, it could be that lifelong therapy is going to be required, especially if you have an animal that is immune suppressed for some reason. Um, cause you know, in internal medicine, that's where we're going to see fungus patients is they're already immune suppressed. And so they're going to pick it up more easily than a healthy animal would. So, um, it's just something to kind of keep in mind. And we usually do like the fungal treatments to lowest effective dose based on titers. And we've had some patients where their titers were normal and we took them off the medications and we're like, all right, we need to check again in about three to four months and just see where where we're at. And then we've had them spike up again. So it's, it can be a very frustrating and very expensive disease. And so, um, that's another part of that conversation that you should be having with clients about, you know, it's like the typical chronic internal medicine disease. It 
it it's expensive and you know we're doing a lot of blood work so fingers crossed they've got insurance <laughs> that will cover it because otherwise ugh. yeah it's gonna be expensive yep cautions uh, I, I mean I you guess for these labs yeah <laughs> I was gonna say it I mean technically the quote-unquote only real way to get the disease is by inhaling spores. However, right. I mean, let's just make sure we don't accidentally inject ourselves with something. (laughs) Um, so, you know, just make sure you're not needle sticking. Um, the blood should just go in a tube. Don't like have it out and about and sporulating. Wear gloves. Wear gloves. Um, if you're doing surgery on these patients, maybe an N95 is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, if you personally have any kind of immune suppression, whatever, wear an N95, if you know, especially if there's skin lesions or something like that. So, um, you know, just, just be cautious. Cause again, this is something that we can get. It's not technically zoonotic, but let's not give ourselves fungus. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's the tip of the week. I mean, I was going to say, we already did the tip of the week. I would say no separator, serum separator tubes, um, cause that gel will affect it. So just make sure you look, whatever your, um, lab requests for tubes, make sure you appropriately label them, um, you know, spin them down if they need to be spun down, store them in the fridge or the freezer, depending on what the lab requests, <laughs> um, because Yeah. It just, it, you want to have your, your, you want to have your specimens be appropriate. Yeah. Soapbox. We already did it. (laughs) And now for the question of the week. Have you seen an ocular pox, poxy infection? What did it look like? Like what? What made you think it was that? Other than blindness. How does it affect the eye? Ugh, I don't want to know. <laughs> Parasites. Like, it, it'll be fine. But how? It's probably worse. No. Worse than worms, like, swimming around the eyeball? I mean, it may be just, like, the same level of gross. I don't think it'll be that bad. <laughs> I think it will be. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's going to show me a pe- picture and I'm going to be like, see, it's worse. <laughs> oh, I'm picturing, I'm picturing just like acute blindness. So like their pupils are dilated. There might be some conjunctivitis and some tearing, <sighs> but I'm not picturing much. I, I I'm like, it's not going to be like a mushroom growing out of the eyeball. What if it is? That'd be pretty interesting. I'd have to say. I can't. I can't handle you right now. It's squidging <laughs> me out. Fungus. Fungus <laughs> is horrible. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> you didn't let us know. Hit us up on Facebook. Um, that tends to be where I'm more active. I would invite you to Instagram. You're more than welcome to go to the Instagram and message me. I'm just slow to get back to you on there. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so funny. I'm also going to, by the way, in our resources, I'm going to add the UC Davis center for Valley fever. (laughs) So 
I didn't even know there was like a whole whole center for it. That's a good idea. And it talks about people too. So gross. <laughs> All right, gang. Thanks so much for listening, making a commitment to learning and putting up with us this week after our seem like forever hiatus and trying to get yeah. back, on the, back on the wagon here, Ooh. trying to figure out how to podcast again. Right. Um, Sorry guys for being gone and not saying anything. It was a little bit of a, a little bit of like a cluster. We get a little bit of a reprieve. I, I guess I should have said something. I was perfectly healthy. I was just traveling a lot. <laughs> you were sick. <laughs> I, um, there was a week where I was not super coherent. So <laughs> to be fair, that week that everything was fine, like with you, I was traveling. Yeah. Then I came back and you were sick. Yeah. And then I left again. Yeah. <laughs> and now here we are. I know. It's like weird because I haven't talked to you in almost a month. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, guys. Thank have you. a good day, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.